Welcome to Rejoicing Together, a podcast where we share stories of God's transforming power. This podcast is hosted by Maysville Baptist Church. It's a ministry of Maysville Baptist Church. And my name's Shane Robertson. I'm the senior pastor. I'd love for you to come by and worship with us. We have services at 930 and again at 11 on Sunday mornings. I hope you enjoy the program. May the Lord bless you. And we'd love to hear back from you. We'd love for you to go to our website, www.maysvillebaptist.net, and shoot us an email. Again, my name is Shane Robertson, the senior pastor here. I'd love to hear from you. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, It's Pastor Shane. It's a joy to be able to come to you today on this episode of Rejoicing Together. I have in the studio Zach and Allison Witzel. Uh, we are so thankful for them. Uh, they became members uh, September the 1st, 2022. Uh, they have four children, two, ta- two daughters and two sons, and uh, just glad to have them in the studio. Welcome. We're glad you guys are here. Thank you all for taking the time to come uh, share today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having us. How long have you all been married? Uh, let's see. That's I'm supposed to know that. Uh, 16 years, right? Oh, wow. 16 years. Yeah, we got married right out of high school. She, I graduated a year ahead of her, so I was 19. She was 18. And, wow. And we're halfway to 70 now, as my daughter likes to <laughs> likes to say. It. Uh, my son um, got married when he was 19, and uh, his wife is 19 years old as well. And. Um, uh, that it seems uh, from this perspective, I was married when I was 23, Miriam and I, and so I'm like, oh, you, that's really that's really young. We thought we had it together, but now when we see 18 and 19 year olds, they look like children to us. They really do, don't they? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. good grief, we got married at that age. I, and then I think about my mom. My mom, she was 15 years old when she got pregnant with me, and um, <clears throat> I'm the product of uh, a couple of. Uh, alcoholic beverages in a back seat, and uh, my dad, my biological father, was 19, and my mom was 15, and um, that's uh, that's how I that's how I got here, and I'm grateful though because uh, my mom had me at 15. I had some family members that uh, uh, that challenged that 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 said, you know, we can we can make this like it never even happened, but um, my mom, being a a wild child, fifteen year old, said, um, "I know what I did wasn't ideal, but I am pregnant, and this is a baby, and I'm I'm gonna fight for that baby." And she did. She fought for me, and uh, here I am. Uh, she was able to bless us uh, by uh, hanging in there, and I'm very very grateful uh, for that. So, but but you guys, y'all have four children. Uh, That's right. Two daughters and two sons. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, how old are they? They are, well, they're all about to have birthdays, so I'll give the newer ages. Uh, 13, 10, almost 6, and almost 4. Oh, we had 5, and they were spread out uh, very similar. And uh, uh, I'm grateful that they're almost all adults now. I'm very thankful. Uh, They all can drive now. Every one of them. So we have one that's almost 
she's basically old enough to be a free babysitter now. So that's a pretty exciting stage that we're entering into. See, that, that was the thing with us with, with having girls first. So we, we got five. Uh, we had two girls first and then three boys. And uh, that's what we said. We said built-in babysitters. And, man, they were so good. I mean, that's like the children. The boys had three mothers. Each had their own mother. They had Miriam, and then they had Alyssa, and they had Holly. I mean, they uh, it was really a blessing. So we were very, very grateful uh, for the girls that came first. Uh, in between <clears throat> Holly and Garrett, uh, though, uh, my wife had a miscarriage. And um, I can remember I was, a, I was a youth pastor, and I was actually at the Wilds camp. Uh, and while I was at the Wilds, um, I was actually going to bed when there was a knock at the door, and one of the administrative personnel came to me and said, um, uh, can you come to the phone? And uh, went to the phone, and Miriam, who was expecting our our third child, uh, was uh, in tears, and she said, "Jana, I'm losing the baby." And uh, how far along was she? She was uh, uh, she was several weeks along. I mean, we um, it was farther enough. It was far enough along where um, it hurt. You know, I mean, we we believe that you know it's that. Birth is, I mean, a child is at conception, uh, conceived at conception. And so she was, uh, she had been to the doctor. The she reason confor- confirmed all that. The reason I asked that question is because it's a very insensitive question that a lot of people throw out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're doing is they're trying to base grief. The you level know, of grief that you should experience. Because that yeah. was like our first miscarriage was like, what, six or seven weeks mm-hmm. long? Yeah. And so when people found that out, they downplayed it. Right. And I'm like, but well, we're pro-life, right? Right? You know, we we believe what we say we believe, right? So like, this is a loss, and people will, you know, they'll they'll use that question, and I was I was using it to figure out what kind of symp- what range of sympathy you guys received in that time. The sympathy that we received uh, during that season, of course, we were, you know, I was a youth pastor, and so we were in church, and and people knew, you know, it's well, being in ministry. Um, it seems like every child you conceive, you know, wants to get applied to either some youth trip or some mission field, you know. And yeah. so uh, they feel like every time we took a trip as a family, Miriam comes back, you know, expecting a baby. And that, that's always been a real challenge and, and, and funny. But, but we had we had support at the church. That's good. They, you know, being in that close-knit community, it didn't, they didn't really, it didn't really matter how long. Uh, she was pregnant. The fact was that she was. That's and so fantastic. we really had good support in relationship to that. But you guys are no stranger to two miscarriages. And I would love to hear about your journey uh, as to how the Lord's taken you down that path and what God has done and, and where we're at today with four uh, beautiful children. It's usually a shock when people hear the whole story that there are four now. <laughs> yes, so... We had one miscarriage before our first child. Um, you know, miscarriage is common. It, it hurts. It's painful no matter how common it is. But it just seemed like, you know, okay, this happens to a lot of people. And we grieved and worked through it. And then we found out we were expecting our first child that we have with us now. And everything was great. Had a great pregnancy, even though I was really, really sick, had her super healthy baby. And when she was about 18 months old, we decided we wanted to grow our family again. Um, like 
you get to just decide that now. Now I know that, that you don't get to just to get just to choose that. But um, we found out we were expecting, and shortly after we found out we were expecting, I lost the pregnancy, and that happened five times in a row within a very short time within the same year. And the medical community does label that chemical pregnancy, um, and that is a very hurtful term for those of us who believe that life begins at conception because it minimizes the life. And um, we saw my doctor, you know, he ran a couple of tests and then he said, I'll send you to a a specialist. So he sent us to a specialist that dealt, it wasn't a fertility specialist. I can't remember what he was. Um, But he said, well, when you get pregnant again, we'll just follow the miscarriage and see what happens. And that kind of blew my mind. I was like, so I'm supposed to be an experiment, be an experiment and, and go through grief again. But again, the, the medical community has minimized that by labeling it a chemical pregnancy. And so it was, it wasn't supposed to be a source of grief for me. It was okay to use that as an experiment. Um, so we kind of were not okay with that. We didn't want to walk through that again. Um, and after the fourth one in a row there, we had just, I mean, what, what would you say? We kind of, we kind of had a, a list in our mind of things that we felt like we had learned or faith that we had expressed in our journey. You know, and a lot of times you'll get caught up in the idea that there's like, from a spiritual aspect, there's, there's just mechanics behind what's going on that that God's got something he's trying to show you and if you'll just get it figured out like an exchange you know you if you'll if you'll uh, get victory on your side of things then you can move past this and God will give you what you what you want and so like I was like you know what let's take you before the church have you anointed with oil uh, have you prayed over you know we'll believe as hard as we can because you know that's the other thing is you've got to believe if you're not believing then it's your fault you know, you, you're a failure at faith. So like we did all the things and poured ourselves completely into trying to spiritually, you know, trying to lay hold of it and fix it. And I even, uh, I even felt like I had peace about it. You know, I was just like really confident in what we had accomplished. I guess that's a good word for it. Cause if we were trying to perform this, this spiritual feat, and so when she started losing that fifth one at church, at church, it was very rattling because I'm like, we did all the things I even, I even at one point felt like I knew that the next one was going to be a boy. Like I felt like God had, had told me that our, our next child was going to be a boy. And I don't know, I don't, you know, our next child was a boy, but, uh, I'm not trying to, to claim prophecy, but I don't know if like emotionally I was just trying to, to, to make something happen. You know, some you're, you're, you'll play tricks with your own self. And I actually, I actually told somebody the other day, I said, a lot of times when we think God has let us down, what has actually failed us is our expectations of what we think God is or isn't supposed to do. So there's this like model we, that we've, we've designed who we think God should be. 
and that's what we're following because if we were God, that's who we would be. We're, we're actually projecting our own will onto God. And then when, when he doesn't follow through with that, we're like, well, God let us down. And it's like, well, actually, God never promised, you know, that he was going to be like you in this area. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's tough. Now, just uh, briefly describe the uh, emotions that you had. I mean, after four, I know you're heartbroken. And, and now here you are. You're checking off the list. Anoint, be anointed with oil. We're, we have faith. We're faithful in church. It was devastating. We're our Bibles. And then the fifth one happens. I mean, what, what kind of emotions were you going through? Were you angry at God? I was. Um, I mean, the fact that I was in the place where we had expressed the what we felt like was the deepest faith that God was going to bring healing and really do things the way that we wanted them to be done. And that's when the miscarriage started was there. I walked out of the church and I climbed in the car and I remember just like hitting the dashboard. And I told him, I said, I feel like he's playing some kind of joke on me. And that was, it was like anger and such deep desperation. Like I've I've done all I can. What is there to do now? It's an entirely different struggle for for the the male in the scenario because the woman is carrying the pregnancy. So there's there's the instant emotional attachment. You know, this is this is part of her. You know, for the for the guy and and I've had like you said, I've had four kids. The attachment for all four of my kids really occurred at the hospital. You know, when the baby was born. Right. During the pregnancy, it was like, psychologically, it's like part of your wife, you know? So, like, men men deal with that loss a lot different than women do. And sometimes women get mad at their husbands uh, because they're like, well, I, he doesn't, he obviously doesn't feel the same way I do. But it's, 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 that's just the way it is. Right. As a spiritual leader of the home, I mean, you're, you're, Look, as men and husbands, we're fixers. We want to fix yeah. it. We want to do everything we can to fix it. So the problem is the fact that our wives are hurting. Right. You know, that's that's what that's you, right. you and I were up against right. in, in those scenarios. And and it really is a, a very conscious decision to be empathetic. Right. Because that's not the natural tendency. Yeah. Uh, as a it, matter of fact, people who use avoidance as a coping mechanism, they can actually cause a lot of harm in their marriage. Yeah in that time if they're just like well okay let's just move on you know right. well, that's easy for you to say as a as the the guy right. but the woman who's actually experiencing an internal loss you, you know as a pastor i uh, meeting with people talking to people i come across a lot of people that that who have a very clear relationship with the lord they they it's it's obvious that they are christians they love jesus they love the lord but when they have a hiccup in their life like a miscarriage or the death of a loved one, it um, it sends them into an area where they where God is trying to challenge their faith to help them to grow, but they get angry at God, and they shake their fifth fist at God, and and we even see that in Scripture. I mean, there's a passage of Scripture over in Revelation where it talks about people shaking their fist and being angry at God, and um, I've seen this happen several times, and and I just try to encourage people, you know. God's big enough to handle that. Yeah. He can handle your anger. He He knows your anger. I, I think about uh, when God called uh, Nathaniel, 
you know, and God, Jesus told him, said, I saw you when you were under the fig tree, when you were so upset and so angry. I saw you there. I didn't leave you. And that's one thing to read it and take comfort in it now, but when you're going through it, I mean, that, that's the challenge. Yeah. Is when you're going through it. And, and, and really, I mean, I don't have the answer. Uh, I know, but just by faith and believing, God's carrying us through this even though we don't feel like He is right at this moment. I blame, some, kinda, I blame some of it on just American Christianity. Yeah. We, we get caught up in, yeah. he, seriously, in, our, uh, in, in the United States culture, we have this whole, like, blessing we we we've kind of redefined the word blessing so like you know if we if we drive a newer model truck or have a nicer house then we're blessed and we and so we we raise our kids hearing that kind of terminology associated with the word blessing and so we think if we you know okay if we if we walk the lines god told us to line then we'll be blessed and what that'll look like is prosperity and that's a that's a bleed in of false doctrine and it's uh, we like to think we're immune to false doctrine, but it it can creep into your thoughts because it, it it's something you want to believe is true. So you'll you'll kind of you'll kind of start gripping onto something, and it can be very disappointing. Uh, the Bible even talks about the children of Israel. The Scripture talks about uh, God saying that they are blessed and they're financially rich, but that's their curse. Mm. The riches are the are the curse. Yeah, and not and not the blessing because God's not looking for. He's not looking for you to drive a Beamer. I mean, he, he's looking for you to be faithful. Every aspect of life is a test, whether it's whether it's wealth or poverty or yeah. sickness or health. What are you, you know, how are you responding to it? How are you living with it? How long did it take you to to get these emotions into a place where you could say, okay, God's got us? That's a good story. Yeah, so I think that fifth miscarriage in a row happened in December and so I guess probably six weeks later, we were um, we were at a church meeting, and there was a friend that we had known her for a little while, but at that we, point... We did music some in church services, and there was this particular girl that was at this meeting, her and her family did music too, so we had been in several meetings mm-hmm. around them. And, we and, knew them. But she had just walked through, not miscarriage, infant loss. She had two mm-hmm. preemies at, at 20-something wow. weeks, and one passed away at birth and then the other one lived for a little while and then passed away mm. and she was standing up there just I, I had been listening to a song that she sang for I mean was she singing it that night I think she was it was it's called waiting in the water talking about just the the, the lyrics are every step I take is a step of faith mm. and when I can't see what's in front of me I'll walk on and just believe. And I, I listened to that song so much after hearing her sing it that night that um, my oldest called it the crying song <laughs> <laughs> um, because I would just listen to it and weep. But anyway, she was singing that night and just worshiping, and I knew that she was broken, but I also could see that she was trusting the Lord. Mm. And I looked at her, and, and, and with with my lack of faith, because obviously I didn't understand what faith really was, I looked at her and I said, if God can carry her, then I know he can carry me. And we'd also just had a friend, um, missionaries in China who had buried their baby six weeks later, got on a plane and went to China. And we just looked at those people and we, we, we saw their faith in their grief. Both can, 
exist together. It can be a both thing. Um, and I, we were in the altar that night. He was, he was behind me and we were praying and I just said, Lord, if you want to keep taking babies, if you want me to live a life of this like sacrifice in this way, then I'll do it. I'll, I will surrender to not growing my family or, you know, whatever it is that you want me to do. And and it wasn't that the Lord wanted me to not have a family, but like that surrendered moment brought so much peace to me knowing that I was not in control and that I didn't have to be in control. Hmm. Because up to that point, that, that span of time, I think uh, the right word would be just desperation, like waking up every day thinking, what can I do? What do I need to change? You know, how can I do this for my body and what did I do wrong? That, that desperation was, um, it was a very, very huge presence in our life. So releasing that brought so much peace, just realizing that the Lord was in control and I didn't have to control the size of my family and it would be okay. Like I would be okay. Do you, um, do you wrestle with the thought that the Lord still opens and closes the womb. I I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And mm-hmm. and I think that's Now, I also believe that we ought to do everything medically possible mm-hmm. as well to to help in this. Right. But I think where the rubber hits the road is the Lord does open and close oh, the womb. Absolutely. Which means if he closes the womb, there's a purpose. Mhm. And, and sometimes, and it's hard to talk about, but sometimes that purpose is, is desperation, that, that we would be desperate for him. Mm-hmm. Bringing us to the place where instead of wrestling, we're laying it back down. And that's, that's the victory. You know, our story goes on from there to, to some successful pregnancies. But I don't want to give the illusion that the successful pregnancies were the reward for what right. happened. Yeah, that that's night. important yes. right there. Because I think that is such an important point. We had a neighbor at the subdivision we lived in around a decade ago, and uh, he was in full time ministry. They were some of the best people you could meet, and his wife had had reoccurring loss, and they were entering into the years where they were going to be too old to keep trying. And there was there was no successful pregnancies. I, I haven't I haven't been around them in the last five or six years, but I'm still connected with some people they're connected with, and I've heard I've heard no good news out of that story. But he's mm-hmm. he's still in ministry, still serving God, and so it's not there's there's victory in getting to that place, and mm-hmm. that's what you want to live with right. because you have to live, you have to you have to keep going. And in that moment of surrender, I had no idea. But there's no guarantee. That I mean, those children were coming. We might have a wreck on the road and lose one of our kids on mm-hmm. the way home today or or, yeah. or or may have one that gets a disease or, you know, there's no, I mean, even the people, and this sounds, this sounds weird to say, but all the people Jesus healed in his earthly ministry still died. That's true. You know? You're right. Like there's, there's no escape from suffering and and the and the brokenness that's in the world it's the curse so so the story that she told i don't want that to give anybody false hope that hey you can you can go and mm-hmm. do that t- tomorrow and then you'll have a successful pregnancy that's not what the i no. think the the end of that was just the peace yeah the peace to, yeah. to either walk yeah. through it or you know 
Yeah, and that's a, that's the desire mm-hmm. of us as believers, and I believe the desire of our Father in heaven is to have that peace mm-hmm. that passes understanding because it doesn't make sense. Right. I mean, how can you have, you've lost five babies. Does God really care about you? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, how desperate I am for him to give me what I need to not only get to, I don't I just don't want to get through this I want him to get the glory at the end of this right and you know I, I think about David in the scriptures you know when when the baby died between him and Bathsheba and the statement that he made you know when he said look I I can't bring that child back to me but I can go to where that child is mm-hmm. right and Miriam and I both during um, the one miscarriage that, that that we had that's our hope I mean heaven got sweeter on that day because we've got we've got a baby up there and we believe that 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 baby is we're gonna be reunited with that child and uh, it's gonna be a reunion if I mean we're gonna be together as a family and we'll be whole I mean you just think about you guys got five y- y'all there are gonna have actually two three. seven losses so we've had 11 wow. pregnancies yes oh my God. so yeah there was one one before we had Hudson oldest. after all of that and then we had the five and then uh, our our soon-to-be 10 year old was born uh, and that was very traumatic experience all the way all the way down to him being born because the entire pregnancy I was braced for like well, we just you know the the delusion that I'm exempt from horrible things happen that, that was gone right, right, right. <laughs> that was gone yeah you get yeah. you know and that's that's passing from naivety <laughs> into into awareness mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't that show though how we have been impacted by this social gospel whether we like it or not or this right. prosperity gospel whether we like it or not because we live in the west but in the mm-hmm. united states that's right you know, i said the west before and he was like this ain't the west <laughs> no i'm talking i know about exactly what geography you this is the this west, is the west yeah. we live in a western culture but it has infiltrated <laughs> a lot of our thinking. It has. It really has. And we think, unfortunately, we think that God owes this to us right? because of the culture uh, that we're in. I told somebody the other day, I said, you you realize that the Jesus you serve was homeless, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. We lose That's touch true. with the fact that like, yeah. he wore the same thing every day, and he, yeah. he, he said with his own mouth he didn't have a place to lay his head. That's what he said, yeah. You know, and, and yeah. you know, we— we think that if we live holy, that our life is going to look like a king and queen. It's transactional yes. faith. It's like transactional. That's, and that's, that's dangerous. Right. And that's not what the scripture mm-hmm. is teaching no. at it's, all. It's not stable either. And and that's why if you ever find someone who who's going through a traumatic experience and their faith's not wavering and you're like, how do they do that? And it's, bec- it's because they've that's where they've gotten to is yeah. they've, they've, mm-hmm. they've detached it from expectations of... Right, only good is supposed to happen to me. Right, and yeah. and that's where in in regards to ministry and and pastoring, you see these churches they put these pastors on this this great big pedestal, and they can't live up to it. Right, you know, there's just no way. I mean, you know, even in in my own family, we have trials, we right. have tribulations, mm-hmm. we have difficulties, we have challenges, and that shouldn't surprise anyone. No, that shouldn't surprise us. No, you shouldn't go. Wow, the preacher's going through that. Or, right, you know, and no, we 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 put our shoes on one foot at a time, just like everybody else, and um, we struggle just like everybody That's else. It. And I think we we have this uh, mis 
uh, information about well, because you're a pastor, you know, God's God's hands on you, and you don't ever have any challenges. You don't ever have any problems. You don't ever fight with your wife. You don't ever have an argument. You don't ever have miscarriages. I mean, God's God's blessed you. I mean, everywhere you turn, he's blessed. And, and while I would like to sit back and say, yes, we are blessed, but, man, we've experienced the challenges. When we stepped out on faith to go in ministry, we stepped out on faith. I mean, my, my grandmother told me, she said, you guys are going to starve to death. You know, or not, I mean, you're going to starve to death. And um been doing this now for over 25 years. And God, we hadn't missed a meal yet. That's good. I mean, really, I mean, God's been That's super right. good. We got five five kids here on earth and one in heaven. And uh, just thankful to God for his goodness and his love that he would even allow for us to grow through our trials. Mm-hmm. I tell my kids, I'm like, expect nothing because that's what you deserve. Anything above that's a blessing, because mm-hmm. that's we have to set our expectations. That's mm-hmm. our expectations on. It's what usually gets us into trouble. Yeah, yeah. So my kids get in trouble now, and they're like, "I know, I know, I don't deserve anything." <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, January is Sanctity of Human Life Month, and um, that's why we wanted to kind of talk about this because we are pro-life. Right. And because we're pro-life, that means something. That's not just mm-hmm. a statement. Um, it's something that it it means it means a tremendous amount, especially in relationship to how we vote, mm-hmm. uh, who we support, the things we support, and the things we don't support uh, in relationship to investing and other things like that. Uh, but in thinking about and thinking about life, and thinking about uh, miscarriages. Are you done having children? Well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who we, knows? We felt the same way, Miriam and I, the same way. We we wanted the Lord just to, you know, uh, when, we, when we got married, I prayed and asked the Lord. I said, Lord, please, I, I'd like to go at least just one year. Without any children, because Miriam and I courted. We grew up in a very strict home, and we weren't allowed to date. So that was us. <laughs> I wanted to be able to go and go with my wife on dates because right. we didn't do that. Exactly. Know? And uh, so we were married on August the second, nineteen ninety-seven, and uh, on August the eighteenth, nineteen ninety-eight, Alyssa was born. <laughs> and and I laugh now because. I remember when Miriam told me she was expecting, I'm like, it hadn't been a year yet. What do you mean? <laughs> it's like, Lord, no, I meant a full year, but it was over by then. You couldn't do anything about it. Alyssa was coming. How long did we make it? Three years? Uh, she, it was almost three years almost when we had her. Years. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. wonderful, too. We would uh, do our grocery I shopping. I had to grow up a little bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> we would do our grocery shopping at 2 in the morning and... Yeah, go, right. go out to eat all the time. Went to college and, together. Not a care in the world. Because we, like you said, we courted. We never allowed a date. So like we, that whole three years, we were. I remember one time we sat down. We were like, "Where's all our money going?" So we started tracking all of our expenses, and the answer was restaurants. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is so true. Well, I wish I would have been more specific with my prayer. But when when Alyssa was born, Miriam and I just said, "Look, here's." Let, why don't we just come up with a with a plan? You know, we want as many children as the Lord will allow for us to have, and this is the beginning. And I'll go to school, and uh, I was at Luther Rice Seminary, and um, I'm going to work on um, 
trying to better my family, trying to uh, learn to be a better pastor, and uh, went to seminary, and God had blessed. That That was a seven-year journey uh, for me, just for an undergraduate degree. Uh, but God blessed through the years, and, and uh, like I said before, we ended up with five on earth and, and one in heaven, and uh, then that was it. Uh, Miriam was so sick with John Grady. It was it was really, really bad, and she was having some, 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 some challenges uh, with pregnancy. And um, that's the way hers was. She stayed so sick with all of them. Yeah, we had to make a really hard decision. As a matter of fact, did. the she had hyperemesis gra- gravidarum, which is uh, like severe morning sickness the entire pregnancy, and that's probably the number one reason that we are slow to answer when you say we're going to have any more kids. Because <laughs> see, that's I'm the same way. The, bringing the baby home is not that big of a deal. Uh, especially when you've got yeah. free babysitters already in the house. <laughs> That's true. But but the pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. I just don't exist for nine months, pretty much. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I know probably one of the hardest days for a pastor when I'm, when I'm preaching, uh, especially Sanctity of Life, is if I do a Sanctity of Life Sunday when I know that there are individuals in the uh, congregation that have had miscarriages, um, that are still healing. Some mm-hmm. are fresh, um, and then, then there are those on Mother's Day that really, mm-hmm. really, really are hurting. Because women, we've got members now, right? That um, through the eight years of being pastor here, I've had couples come to me and say, "Please pray for us. We really, really want a, a baby," and uh, we have been praying for a lot of different couples. Uh, some God has opened the wound and blessed, and they have children now. And once one starts coming, then it it seems like they just kind of you know there's this relaxation, and and God just he opened the womb and yeah, here they yeah. are, you can't stop it, you know. And then there are those who we've been praying for quite some time, and they still the Lord still hadn't opened the womb. And and we all know that that doesn't mean God loves them less, right? Absolutely. And and I guess that's that's kind of where I'm wanting to get to to try to land this plane is, what would you say? I mean, all the miscarriages. How how did you stay connected to? Hey, look, God loves us. We're gonna be okay. The word, just like filling my mind with the word and truth music with truth and we are going to think thoughts one way or the other it's just best if we choose the thoughts and choose the thoughts that the lord wants to have and that that comes from his word it is so true i mean so true i i really believe that just being in the word and growing really helps your faith in relationship to knowing how much god loves you and how God loves us. Right. And and how hard is it today, though, to find the kind of music that can minister to your heart? I think yes. we're very blessed here at Maysville to have yes. really good, strong music. But uh, but that, that is an important, mm-hmm. it is an important aspect uh, of, of understanding the love of God and, uh, and moving forward. Well, do you have any, let me ask you this, do you have any final thoughts uh, that you would say to Someone that's out there, maybe they just been through a miscarriage. Um, maybe, 
Maybe they're concerned that uh, they are going to lose the baby. They had not got a good report from the doctor. What would you say to them as a mom and dad that have been there and uh, to, to comfort them? You know, we we had, uh, what number was it? The seventh miscarriage we had, it came after our second child. And our fourth child was the only child that we had that there was not a miscarriage in between. So we told a story about how, and, and, and the last miscarriage we had was probably the worst one. It was further along. It was 12 weeks. She actually almost bled to death mm-hmm. at our home. Um, I started doing mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on her when I realized that she was coming back too. Um, it was it was the worst and most traumatic one that we had, and it was after the story of victory that we shared just a minute ago. So, you know, my my recommendation to any parent facing any of this is that walk with God get the education you know we homeschool our kids and so like our kids a lot of times they wrestle the education and you guys have been down that road before you know and it's like I'm just trying to I just want them to learn I just want to teach you things and help you uh, God deals different hands to every person around you know you, you'll when you're struggling with miscarriage or you're struggling with infant loss or you're struggling with infertility complete you know complete infertility you'll look around at people that are that you will perceive as less deserving than you that aren't facing those struggles, but their struggles are elsewhere. You know, it, everyone, everyone is facing problems of some kind. You know, walk with God. If he's going to use some of the problems, he's not, he, I don't even know that necessarily I would say he's afflicting you with the problems just to teach you. We live in a sin-cursed world that our bodies <clears throat> are affected by. You know, so whatever you're dealing with, let him teach you things through it. And then once you learn those things, you still can't get heady about it, you know, because Mm -hmm. there's going to be more struggles down the road. There's no, until you die, there's no, like, go around the bend and it's all sunshine and rainbows, Mm -hmm. you know, from then on out. Well, isn't that what Jesus, Jesus said? He said, look, the sun shines on the righteous, shines on the unrighteous. It rains on the righteous, and it rains on the unrighteous. This is such a hard concept for us to grasp as 21st century Christians because we deal with such selfishness and materialism in our culture today that we just find it hard that a loving God would let you go through difficulties and trials. Mm-hmm. But there is a purpose behind the pain. Right. Mm-hmm. And that purpose behind the pain ultimately comes down to the fact that he's going to do in our lives what he knows mm-hmm. will bring him the most glory. That's it. It's our responsibility to have the proper reaction. Yeah. No matter what it is. Yes. Right. Like my mom, she's in a wheelchair. She's been in a wheelchair since I was about six or seven years old. Well, God didn't put that trial on everybody yeah you know it's so and my mom never had a miscarriage you know so I I don't know you don't you don't even have to have had fertility issues to get help with the truth we're talking about today because everybody's facing something Mm. that is so true everybody's facing something whether it's a miscarriage a pregnancy out of wedlock uh, a wayward child uh, all of these things yeah God allows these things to come into our lives Mm -hmm. to help draw us closer to Him that He might get the greatest glory 
from our lives. I think we, we, we were chatting about this the other day, and I, I said I feel like that situation where we had all those miscarriages in the row, I, I had a choice. And I threw down my anchor, and I said, I'm going to trust him here. I'm going to trust him right here. And when that other trial came along, I just was able to tie off on that and say, I know that he carried me through that, and he can carry me through this. And, I've, and, and I, I don't know what's coming. <laughs> I know, you know, I, I hope it's not worse. I hope the next trials that we face are not worse, but they could be. But I know that he will take care of me because he's taken care of me before. So when you get in the word and you learn who God is and you learn his character and who he is in those times of grief, you will learn that you can lean on him. So then when the next waves come, like you're, you're, you're anchored down. Your faith is your faith is strong. You know, Allison, thinking about the word um, and in hearing that true, such a true statement in Nahum chapter one verse seven, the Bible says, "The Lord is a good God, mm-hmm. a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows them that trust in Him." Uh, that is a comforting verse, it is. Mm-hmm. especially in in regards to the cultural. Uh, placement of that verse. I mean, you read the book of Nahum. There's not a there's not an encouraging word in that except for chapter one verse seven. That's the only right. encouragement mm-hmm. you find in that in that book. But it's such a powerful encouragement. God is good mm-hmm. all the time. That's right. Even we don't think He is. He's good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows relationally, those that trust in Him. I'm so grateful uh, that the Lord not only loves us, but He knows us. Sometimes the miracle that you're looking for is just the fact that the Lord's carrying you. Amen. And that Amen. He is good. Amen. You know, He is good no matter what. That's that's the miracle. That's that's the thing. Yeah. And, and that that's the conclusion that I had to come to is that, that He's here and He can carry me through this. And that's the miracle that... Hmm. When, when she came back to from passing out in our bedroom, I had called an ambulance and the paramedics were pulling up in the yard and she was still laying on the floor in the bedroom and I was afraid to leave her, but the front door was unlocked. And she said, she was real lightheaded and talking real soft, but she said, I'll sing so you'll know I'm okay while you're not in here. And she started singing Good, Good Father. Mm, man. And uh, I let the paramedics in and it took them all night long to get her blood pressure back regulated. Mm. And the next morning, they had to do a DNC. And the next morning, uh, we were at the hospital in Gainesville when they finally got her blood pressure sta- sta- stabilized. I'd been up all night long, and I was exhausted, and I was hungry. And I was relieved that she was finally at a stable place because they weren't able to do the DNC until the next morning. And so, like, it was the potential of her bleeding to death was still there all night long. Right. And when I left, I got in the car and cranked up, and Good Good Father was oh, playing man. on the radio. Wow. I cried like a baby all the oh, way to, yeah. all the, way to, to. the restaurant. <laughs> so still, when that song plays, we're like, don't it, look at each other. <laughs> it's, it's one of those like God winks, you know. It's, yeah. But it was like the outlook she had through that one was substantially different than the last ones. Yeah. And, and I think on a subconscious level, that's why she picked that song. Wow. Because it's, you know. Isn't it, an, isn't it incredible how God made our bodies to associate those emotions uh, with a song. I mean, you, 
when you hear, like you say, when you hear that on the radio, he's a good, good father. That that song means something to me too. You know, being someone that was born from a 15-year-old girl um, whose father that raised him was not his biological father, and I asked questions my whole life about about that up until I was uh, 23, and finally the truth truth came out. And um, We want to know we belong. Yeah, we do. That's exactly the point. We want to know we belong, and, and we do, to a really good father. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, hey, listen, I, I want to tell you how much I really appreciate you guys taking some time to come and talk about this sensitive uh, subject and being so candid and open. I know this is going to help some people. Um, and that's the whole point of this podcast. Mm-hmm. We we call it Rejoicing Together because we want to be able together to say he is a good, good father. And he is good even in the midst of a challenge, even in the midst of a difficulty. And thank you so much for, for coming out and, and sharing your story. And uh, I hope you guys will come back again. And Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yes, God bless sir. you. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in today to Rejoicing Together. I, I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. Maybe you've got a story or a testimony that God's placed upon your heart or an experience or something God's done uh, in you or in your family, and you know that would be a blessing to others. I would love to hear from you. I'd love for us to sit down and talk about it. Uh, maybe that might be something we may be able to share on this podcast, Rejoicing Together, uh, to know that God is moving and working, and He's got you even in the midst of a trial and a difficulty. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rejoicing Together. I hope you'll come again and check us out, especially on the web at www.maysvillebaptist.net, where we strive to love God, love others, and serve the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he shine his light on you. And until next time, we look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. God bless you and have a great day.